do I want these dynamics in the relationship? Right. Because any person who's personality disordered brings in highly disruptive relational dynamics into the relationships. And most oftentimes, marriages can't survive because the rules are constantly changing. There's no solid, rational foundation to how people are thinking, operating, or treating each other. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, Relationship Red Flags When Looking for a Spouse. Perfect. Thank you. All right. In our last podcast episode, we talked about major red flags or things to avoid, people to avoid. Um, that potentially would make marriage nearly impossible or incredibly difficult to have. When you're looking for a partner, you're looking for a spouse, there are some things that you should avoid um, in people's personalities, behaviors, or histories. Right. Because if you choose to sign up and have a life with them, it's going to significantly impact you and you cannot... You can't ignore it or avoid these issues. Let's go. What? How do we want to do this? Just from a female emotional perspective, right. this might actually be a hard podcast for some people to hear because oh. because it might actually make people feel alienated or like, um, like ooh, people aren't going to like me because I have these things. Or Correct. what? A, why is he saying this about me kind of? Why, why am I saying this? Why is he saying that I'm a red flag? Or yeah. oftentimes, though, I'm thinking that probably people aren't aware of their red flags that they carry around on them. So you actually just identified the number one thing that I think people should look for in a potential spouse or potential partner is um, a massive, massively high level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You work hard at trying to understand yourself, your story, your history, and you are actively trying to grow and progress and become a better human being. Right. You're never going to find a perfect person out there who's got all of their stuff together, who've, who doesn't have any personal issues or personality stuff or anything. You're always going to, every person is a fixer upper, but the people who are aware of it and who know it and are willing to do their work are usually the best ones to um, to find a catch. You want to look at them a little extra longer. Right. Boy, we got lucky because I was not aware of any of my stuff. Were you aware of your stuff? Um, not as much as I would have liked to have been. And you're right. I kind of woke up after we got married. So we did get lucky. Yeah. But I don't think we got lucky because I still think that there were signs that you were open to learning, that you wanted to grow, that you weren't planning on staying the same. You weren't... Um, entrenched. I guess that's true. So that's actually one of the first things that I would probably tag here. Uh, number one is uh, a, a mental position that says, I don't need to change. I am okay the way I am. Right. You have to accept me completely as I am. And if you have a problem with me, it's all your, pro- it's all your problem, not right. mine. That highly defensive deflecting attitude um, is typically signs of a narcissist. It's one of the things uh, that narcissists are m- remarkably good at is is they make other people feel bad about their behavior. 
about, right. about I have bad behavior and somehow you feel guilty about it. And it's your it fault. And you because feel... you haven't been loving enough, kind enough, available enough, um, right. patient enough, whatever these things. And I reinforce that fear, that insecurity in you. Um, nobody walks around going, hi, I'm Paul. I'm a narcissist. Do you want to right. date me? Nobody does that. But, but but don't they have a tendency to, you might experience those negative things from a narcissist, but nobody else around sees those things right. in them because they have the ability to make themselves look very, very good around other people. can be remarkably charming yes. because the number one thing that they want to do is maintain their ego. They want to make sure that they, that they're, um, that they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not impression, um, that their image, their image, right, goes untarnished, right, and and so they will be polite, kind, actually sometimes very sacrificial, very giving to other people, because it makes them look good. It's still motivated by this personal uh, desire to be better than, right. Typically, narcissists statistically happen to be more men rather than women. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a hundred percent okay, uh, but men typically struggle with narcissistic personality disorder and it's actually a mentally uh, it's a mental illness it's it's a diagnosable uh, illness according to the DSM that's out there and and it is a it is a an error or it's a flawed thinking the way that they view the world is skewed that's what a uh, personality disorder basically is one of the more common personality disorders for women would be borderline personality disorder um, and there are nine criterion for uh, pers- that personality disorder. But things like suicidal ideation, this difficulty or this struggle in being able to be validated or heard or understand, they tend to be emotionally massively uh, swinging. You don't really know where you stand with them. Everything kind of feels volatile. Or the mm-hmm. phrase that's used most commonly is you're walking on eggshells around them. Mm. You kind of just lose yourself around them. Right. Um, because you're always afraid of setting them off. You're always afraid of upsetting them or disturbing them or making them unhappy in some way. Um, again, that's, that is a diagnosable personality disorder and it's because they they view the world through these kind of skewed lenses it's, this this podcast isn't talking about how a person becomes that way this isn't a mental health podcast but you do want to be able to recognize the signs or the the symptoms of someone who struggles with that so so would disorder. they would they have type the type of personality that when something would happen, they'd just be really mad and be like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, but don't leave me. Yes, that's actually so a, a great way to describe so it. So you're kind of stuck in this place of, well, they 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 don't appear to like me, but they yeah. don't want me to go, so yeah. I'm trapped. They're motivated by a fear of abandonment, mm. but they have a, a skewed uh, a way of trying to, trying to hold on to someone, and they actually become incredibly critical, lashing out, um, harsh, even sometimes dangerous, manipulative of the people that they want to have stay around. And so it becomes this remarkably confusing um, emotional dynamic when you're dating someone, um, when someone is struggling with borderline personality disorder. And and that's typical in women or there's men that have that too as well women are um predominantly diagnosed as borderline and men are predominantly dosed as diagnosed as narcissistic those are skewed numbers but it's still just the reality of of the world out there here's the problem um 
it's the undiagnosed people the again it's people who don't walk around going hi i actually have a, a diagnosis as a personality disordered do you want to date me right these are individuals who are going undiagnosed and you need to be able to recognize the symptoms of that now if you're dating someone it's not your job to rescue them it's not your job to um to try to determine uh, if they have a mental illness so that so that you can help them fix themselves that's not your that's not the purpose of dating um, your job is to um, be able to say, do I want these dynamics in the relationship? Right. Because any person whose personality disordered brings in highly disruptive relational dynamics into the relationships. And most oftentimes marriages can't survive because um, the rules are constantly changing. There's no solid rational foundation to how people are thinking, operating, or treating each other. Right. And that's so, why it's so, so disruptive to, to relationships. So even if you have the foundation, like the secure marriage framework, that foundation, yes. it's really difficult for someone who has those types of personality to disorders apply. to be able to apply them because they just don't make sense in their, in their rational brain yeah. which isn't the norm of rational brains Correct. more accurately they are operating out of um, their self-protective strategies that they've learned growing up or are um, chemically altered because of uh, brain chemistry in their head right. which is contributing to some of these personality disorders got it currently personality disorders are not seen as curable they are seen as manageable but not curable it's like a permanent handicap. And mm. and if you're going to enter into a relationship with someone who has these dynamics, then you need to become an expert in that handicap. Right. Again, if you are blind, you have a physical handicap. I now need to understand you're not going to do any driving. I have to do all right. of the driving. Right? right. And you probably ought to learn Braille too. So you know. Exactly. It, the information that I'm getting. Exactly. So, so it's going to cost me something if I'm going to choose to be in a relationship with you. And some people are willing to do that. Sure. These aren't um, deal breakers, meaning uh, you should never. But if you're going to date someone who has personality disorders, um, you need to know what you're signing up for. And you have to be prepared for a life that accommodates that that mental illness or that handicap in some right. way. And if you're prepared for that, you actually can have a relatively... Um, decent relationship you, you you can but you gotta be on your game right so um, personality disordered individuals would be one of the big red flags that uh, I would want people to know about and know how to kind of start um, screening for or looking for right um, as they're trying to find a potential partner the other thing that uh, is a red flag for me is actual um, personal history if you're dating someone and they have been married and divorced multiple times, yes, um, that should be a red flag for a couple reasons. One is it already tells you that there's some dynamic that they're involved with that makes committing to a long-term marriage uh, very difficult for them. No one gets uh, divorced because it's solely one person's fault. Both people have right. some sort of um, level of contribution, not always equal, but some level of contribution to that. Um, and so just their level of commitment and, and, or skill set to, to navigate early marriages 
should tell you, do they have that same skill set? Have they learned that skill set to navigate a new marriage in some right. way? Exactly. Now, I want to be really, really clear here. Just because someone's divorced doesn't mean that they can't get married again or you should you should avoid people who are divorced. Right. What I look for if someone is divorced is have they done their work? Exactly. What I see most often in my office is someone has gotten separated, even just separated. And before the divorce is even finalized, they are dating someone else. Right. And they haven't had time to do their work. They haven't taken the time to examine what is their contributing factors. They haven't had taken time to just heal yet. And what basically happens is they, they start to spread the cancer to the next relationship because they're looking for this next person to be the, the magic cure in some way. And I don't want anyone to start a marriage off that way because that's not how it works. Right. And I was going to say, just because someone has maybe been married and divorced several times doesn't mean that they actually haven't done their work and have grown and have new skills and have learned new things because we all have the opportunity to grow and change and become better people. Correct. So you really have to look at those things and find out and ask lots of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And see evidence of them doing their work. Because if they say, yeah, I've done my work. Well, what have you done? Well, you know, I talked with my buddies. Okay. Did you talk with your buddies while you were married as well? (laughs) So there needs to be evidence that they've done some work. Right. Again, just statistically, the numbers become very, very scary uh, in terms of um, uh, divorce rates among first time uh, marriages. You know, it's around 50% divorce rate around second marriages is is actually in the 70s. Wow. 70% of second marriages divorce. Third marriages are in the 90s. Oh, my goodness. They just don't survive. So even statistically, and the reason is because because you've already done the thing that's kind of made a set point in your head, which says, if this marriage doesn't work, I already have my course of action I'm going to take to make myself happy again. And that is I'm going to leave the marriage. And that's why second and third and fourth marriages just don't work because you're going back to an old tactic that, that if you had never been divorced, you actually are more... Um, prone to saying we've got to work this out because right. we don't want to have a divorce under exactly. our belt. And you find you can actually work things out and and t- not tolerate them, but resolve them right. because you have a greater level of commitment. It's kind of like the law of diminishing returns. You've yeah. already had one divorce. What's one more going to, Yep. how's that going to affect yep. me? You've already crossed that line. Exactly. So I might as well have two divorces rather than just one. Right. And so again, this is, this is kind of in general individuals who haven't done their work who are divorced. Not not everyone who's divorced is this person. Exactly. It's not it's not a deal breaker, but it is a red flag, and you want to be able to Just know be aware of it that this person has done their work. Right. This last one isn't necessarily a red flag, but it is something that is probably pretty important to to me. Um, as I see this coming to my office all the time, and that is if you're dating someone with children. Because children are not adults and they cannot choose the life that they are in. They actually have to learn how to tolerate. So if you are dating someone and they have children, you are not there just to win over that that woman or that man. You actually have to date or win over or make, be a good fit with that, that, that woman and her two kids. If right. her kids don't like you, um, 
trying to enter into that relationship and making them like you after you are married puts them into a horrible, horrible position as kiddos. Um, Instead, if you're going to be dating someone who has kids, uh, number one, you should not be interacting with those kids early on because you don't want them to get bonded to you or have this expectation or just be this this next person that's in in their parents life. Um, You wait a while. But if it looks like this relationship is going to be serious before you make any significant commitments to this person, you want to spend time with the kids and go slowly. You can't expect kids to just like you instantly. And you can't just tell kids, well, I'm the adult, so you're going to have to like me. You're going to have to put up with me. You're going to have to tolerate me. Um, you know, I'm in love with your mom, and so deal with it. Right. And that that is such a selfish attitude it because kids, like you said, they can't choose their nope. circumstances. Nope. And to put yourself above some kids' needs yeah. is really incredibly selfish. It is. It is. As adults, we are called to make decisions that care for the the young human beings mm-hmm. in our in our world. Right. And if we drop the ball on that, or if you're dating someone and they're treating your kids that way and they're not willing to be patient and and to have your kids warm up to them or or connect with them in some way and they just they expect the kids to do that. That's a red flag right there. That is a massive red flag because right. they are that's how they're going to parent after you're married. And right. you do not want to subject your children to those dynamics with that kind of person ever. Right. It's your job as a parent if you're dating to protect the, your children's hearts first and yes. foremost even before your own. I'm going to say that again unequivocally. Because you have children, you don't get to just date as a single person. You have to date as a parent. And every person you bring into your relationship has to connect with you and your children. And that can happen. I've seen it happen a lot where stepfathers and stepmothers actually become better parents than biological parents. And they are wonderful additions to these kiddos' lives. Fantastic gift. But you have to find the, the people who are willing to sacrifice themselves for children that aren't their own. Yes, exactly. If you don't do that, it's a red flag. Don't date someone who's who's who is more focused on you and is doing something harmful to your kids emotionally or just unkind to your kids. Right. Well, I was going to say just kind of in the, in that same realm of if you are dating someone who has children, you also need to understand the dynamic that they have with their ex husband or wife those family dynamics because those can get very very volatile and be really difficult for you to be in the middle of that mess yeah and it takes a lot um, on your part to be able to just manage that and not be affected by it in in a negative way very very much so very much so So if we are to go back and review, the first one is people who are not self-aware, who are kind of entrenched in kind of the who they are and they're not willing to grow or learn. Uh, Second is individuals who are personality disordered, whether that's diagnosed or undiagnosed. Um, You have to have that special skill set to relate to them. Um, We're looking at personal history in terms of marriage history. um, And has someone done their work after they have been divorced or lost a relationship in some way? And is is that work... Is there evidence of them doing that work? Um, and then fourthly, um, 
how do they treat your kids? If kids are involved here, um, are they going to be patient enough to win over your children as much as they are to win over you? If they aren't, that's a red flag, you run for the hill. Those are four, not all, there's probably more red flags than that, but those are four big ones that I see on a constant basis coming across my desk through my office uh, and the situations I deal with the most um, in terms of relationships. If you want more information on some of these red flags and what to avoid in your relationship, you can actually go to securemarriage.com slash red flags with an S. Uh, and we're going to have a resource online that will have uh, more descriptions of some of these issues that we've just laid out here and potentially a couple more um, just because we have a little more time and a little bit more space to kind of go into the details of those things. Yeah. Um, so securemarriage.com slash red flags, all one word, all lowercase with an S on the end. And um, that will get you some more information uh, so that you can take that on a date with you. If you're <laughs> dating someone, you can pull that out and say, Did you, do you meet any? Don't, don't, do, <laughs> don't that. do that. Don't That's, do that. Th- that'd be but like. You'll, you'll be informed for yourself. If you also want to learn just the necessary elements of having a healthy, secure marriage, go to securemarriage.com and it begins with three free videos there that are going to walk you through the communication um, issues and and help you get off of that conflict cycle and onto the connection cycle and take you through the six parts of the secure marriage framework that will help you have a much better relationship with your husband and wife so that you fight less and you feel understood and you enjoy a deeper connection with the person you're spending the rest of your life with. Yep. That's the point of all of this. It is. And if you want more information, you can go to our Facebook page, which has lots yep. of videos and stories and things about yep. us and learning information. We also have an Instagram page where we put information. You can go to YouTube and find our YouTube uh, videos there. Lots and lots yep. and lots of videos. Some pretty hysterical ones yep. if you want something funny. You can go find my very first video that I created, and it's it's yep. a, a hoot. So, it's a hoot. Um, uh, also, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, hit the like button there, and then you'll get a notification every time we get a new uh, podcast out. And leave us a review because every review that we get uh, helps us know if we're putting out information yep. that you enjoy. And it also helps uh, other people be able to find our podcast easier. So if you could do that, we would love that. You can also subscribe if you don't use iTunes and you happen to be on an Android like I am. You know, just find a good podcast app and just look for Secure Marriage on there. And then just hit the subscribe button. That way you'll be getting um, our uh, episodes as they come out uh, weekly. Other than that, I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. Thanks. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and you've been listening to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. Yes, we do. All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.